Okay, thanks. Gib, if you're turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, we are speaking about the burning bush this morning. Last week, we was on about the Moses coming away through Egypt, and we spoke about how not necessarily when God touches your life and you start following Him, does your feet need to walk away for everything that you used to do before. But as Paul encouraged the church in Corinth, stay, remain where God has placed you. If you was a slave, remain a slave. A master, remain a, sla- a master. If you was uh, married, remain married. Is that God and circles are your circles. And in fact, coming away from Egypt is a picture of a heart that has been set free for the rules and for the bondage of the world. And when that happens, you can surely be a witness for God, for Jesus, and your environment, for God has called you. I just love the story of the burning bush. It's a story we teach our kids. It's a story that movies are made of. A unique story up until last point. God has spoken mainly through dreams and visions, and yet He's a to show up in the midst. Unique, purposeful way to gather and to call Moses for a very unique an outrageous, responsible job. I love fairies. All through my life, I've always had this incline towards fire. Home do we, You just, Andra, at least I'll get one witness in the room. <laughs> oh, I went to Andra's school at university, fire, fiery school at university. I'd rather have went there than proper school. Growing up, just always veer towards just the wonder of a fire. The first time the police ever showed up at my door was a fire-raising incident. I was not guilty, but I was there. Just fire. I've always been obsessed with fire. We started the Scalloway Park bonfire. Me, my brother, and our little cul-de-sac mates Collecting for the bond, do you ever, um, do you ever do that? Vigilantes, come on. I used to go and get the pile, and I can't I think the D in there for health and safety reasons, which is always good as well. I'm not advocating being loose with fire, Gary. I'm advocating being safe, but there's something about a fire, isn't there, that draws us in. And we used to do the Scalby Park bonfire, and people used to come for the other cul-de-sac to see it. I used to bide up letters on a thing, get marshmallows. Didn't they used to grow didn't they used to bide big for too long before it was time for marshmallows and it was probably ten o'clock at night, but it felt like three in the morning, you'd school the next day, you were stinking of smoke, there was just something about a fire. And it's never left either. I've got a coal fire in my house. Yeah. They go out of fashion for a while. Now people are trying to put them back in because the price of gas and electricity, wow. Cheaper to burn furniture now these days. And again, we'll have some eco-warriors in here. You need to hear eco thing and their fossilized fuel. I'll just put this right down because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I just burn a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking to leave my mark on this world and if that's a hole in the ozone layer, praise God. Just burn if it burns, burn it. And I've already got for my fire pit stuff outside, 
ready just to burn because I've always been in this thing today with fire. And I kind of, it's something that God is putting in my, but when I started reading the Bible and started seeing that fire could be a manifestation of God, I was like, wow, he's the God for me. When you read about he's consuming fire and Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire, I thought, oh, this is the God for me. There was something about God and his awesomeness and his prevalence and his manifestation through fire. I just think, wow. When I was in Teen Challenge, right at the very start, we went to Catch the Fire conference. I thought, this is the conference for me. I knew nothing of the Toronto blessing. I knew nothing really of the Christian life. I was just trying to come off of drugs, but yet there was something to do with this Catch the Fire conference before I even went. I thought if I was to name a conference, it would be Catch the Fire. And then we went, and it was John and Carol Arnett was doing a conference in Manchester. It was we a group of guys, and it was, it was wild, to be quite frank. And first time I've ever seen people just fun about laughing in the spirit. And I was just had no inkling for the Toronto blessing was, I had no inkling for the moving of the Holy Spirit was. I was just a guy that got saved. In that moment, some of the guys was like, whoa, this is really weird. But I was just something within that was happening. I thought, this is pretty, pretty amazing. If that's what God fire looks like. And so if I would come to the story well, Exodus chapter 3 about God in a burning bush, a fire that was never again extinguished, that remains the same. I always think, wow, and I could probably preach on this for a very long time. But you'll be glad to hear that I'm not going to. But here we find Moses, 40 years wandering in desert lands looking after sheep. And I've got a few things to say, then we'll hear a few songs of praise. Is that okay? You sitting comfortable? We've got Exodus chapter 3. You've either got your Bibles behind the screen or on your tablets, on your phones. It's very easily accessible. But one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. He led the flock far into the wilderness Sinai, and then God spoke to him through the burning bush. And I want you, if this is okay, just to go forward to verse 10. I'll go back and forth, back and forth, okay? So he's leading this flock in the wilderness. This was his job for 40 years. Then God started to speak to him. And in verse 10, this is what struck me this week. If you're ever preparing for a message, it starts on the Monday. And you read it, and you read it, and you read it, and you pray about it, and you read it, and you listen to five other teachings and preachings on it, and you read it, and you meditate on it. And people say, ah, you must wing it, because you just didn't look at your notes so much. I have preached this message about 50 times before I stand here. You preach it when you're doing the dishes, you preach it in the shower, you preach it when you go up. So when you come here on a Sunday, you are fully prepared. And this is what caught me this week in verse 10. It says, now go... For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. And in verse 1, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. 
He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And in verse 10, God says, right, go and get my people and you will lead them in the wilderness. You will rescue them from Pharaoh. And it really struck me, this word lead, that his job for 40 years out with Egypt, running away from Pharaoh, he preferred the riches that was found in Christ to the riches that was found in Egypt. He was actually next in line to the throne, but he gave it up, not like Harry, because he was next in line to the throne, and he's never really give everything up. But think of Prince William, if he was just to give everything up, go to the desert, and look after sheep for 40 years. We would see that as maybe just a pointless vocation, that this hero, this deliverer that has been put Something within him for God, for Yahweh, for a young age to be a deliverer. He tried to rescue his Hebrew brothers through his own power, his own strength. He ended up murdering a guy, then went on the run. And for 40 years, he became the son-in-law of Jethro. He married his daughter. For 40 years, he's wandering in the desert looking after sheep. And then God shows up. And if you read it, now I have seen the suffering of my people. Now I have seen them. I'm coming down to do something. I am calling you to go back to Egypt and lead my people in the wilderness. And I got to think in the 40 years in the desert with God's sheep, with the sheep, wasn't it pointless? It was our preparation for what was to come. And in one sense, that 40 years maybe seemed mundane, maybe seemed pointless. There wasn't much extravagance happening in the spirit. His daily life was taking sheep through desert lands. He had to suss out seasons and times and shelters. Fun, it was going to be hot. Fun, it was going to be cold. How to lead him. Now, the desert land in Midian was completely desert land. And if there was a wind blowing, he would have been to try and guard the sheep. Now we build in a shelter, but taking a man to rocks and cliffs to protect them. That was his heart looking after the sheep. That was his job for 40 years. Some people would say pointless. Some people would say mundane. But God was looking at that period and saying preparation. Because if you're faithful in the small things, you'll enlarge your territory and give responsibility for men. And he was faithful at looking after a bunch of sheep in the wilderness, and God says, you're good at doing that. Now I want you, just like a shepherd, to go, we are staff, a shepherd staff, to go and get my people. What you got to do with them is exactly what you did with sheep, but with people. And because you were good at dealing with sheep, and that 40 years was preparation, it wasn't pointless, I want you to lead them. And the things you had learned in the wilderness with the sheep will come in handy when you're now entrusted with God's people, millions of people, leading them in the wilderness to go to the promised land because you got to look at the signs and the times and the seasons and the windstorms. You got to look at fire, got to shut out the people. And it's easy just to look at the 40 pointless years and say he was just doing nothing for 40 years until God showed up in a burning bush. That's not the case. God was watching them. How are you caring for the animals? If you're faithful at caring for the animals, I'll entrust you with some humans. How the pet lovers are saying amen. 
Look after your goldfish. Make sure it's breathing through that fins underwater and well fed. You're faithful with the small things, God will give you big things. And as we go through the mundane things of life, we have this idea once we get saved, God just hasn't known us ever and suddenly shows up and puts us in a new path, a new direction because all things become new. Yet Jesus says when He fed the 5,000, He did pick up the scraps and He says, nothing is wasted. And we rejoice when we read in the Psalms that God is the one that formed us and created us in our mother's womb and gave us our DNA and gave us the things we're like and gift. And so it would be amiss of us to say, God would do that for the womb. But then they use oneot or inclinations. So some things that are mundane for you is the things that God has placed in your heart to really benefit the church as well. As the organizers, I'm the organizer. Take one look in my office, and you will say that's a, probably a picture of my brain. Unorganized, fifty things floating about at the same time. As organizational people, yes, everything in your cupboard is socks separated with stripy socks and polka dot socks, and everything neatly and ordered, and you iron your socks. Fuzz iron the socks, people. Yes. Organizational. I can't recognize you with a mask. I think it's Gary. Yes. And your gift to the church is organization. It's not a gift that I claim to hear. But God wouldn't give every gift to one person anyway. But you think organizing socks and organizing cupboards and organizing this that and the next thing. Some folk would see mundane, some folk would see pointless, but God says, this is who you are. And boy, does the church need people of order and organization. That is near me, specifically. Some people's okay with the office, that everything I can for our things are, there's 50 things floating about. At least I can for our things art, and I'll get the job done. I can if it's more like vision. You get your vision people that says, okay, I'm in a messy office. I can how it could look. I will get there eventually. And you get your people that are joined with organizational say, well, Kevin, you need to organize better to get the job done. And God takes all these people together for the body of Christ, and a lot of our giftings would just see as mundane. Think of the worship team. Didn't they just rock up with a guitar? given for an angel to lead the church in worship, that in the mundaneness of practicing and sussing out chords and patterns and notes and getting the chord sheets out, for nobody is looking and praising and worshiping, for nobody is looking, prepares them for the season. It's exactly what Jesus did when He hopped up on the shore with Peter, a bunch of fishermen, you can say, well, following Jesus, everything changed. Well, listen to Jesus' words. Peter, you have been fishing for fish. Come and follow me, and I will make you a fisher of. Everything that you have taught yourself at sea to do with fishing, for fish 
and nets and structure and that ran us to just, it's good just to go and get the catch. It's important to get the catch. Jesus says, now you've been doing this, but behold, follow me. And you've got to do the same. I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change your motive. I'm going to change for you do it for. But the skills you learned at sea, you'll now use them for God's glory. It's got to be about the catch. And far did he put the fishermen we? Unbelievably, tax collectors. Fishermen and tax collectors would not have gotten on. It's a miracle. Tax collectors was known for undercutting the fishermen for charging mere taxes to the common people. But they was good at a few things. How money works. An organization. So you team this raw fishermen and shoved them together with some organizational tax collectors and he made disciples of them and everything that they'd learned previously God was going to use for his glory. And now we have Moses at the backside of a desert for 40 years, but one day and every day is the same. The sun comes up, I take the sheep from one place to the next, navigate the elements, but Moses at that point was content, he was not chasing after Egypt, and God shows up and says, you are the ideal candidate for looking after millions of God's people in the desert because I've been preparing you, while others might see things as pointless. Just want you to understand that you are for God, has called you to be, that you are unique, that you are special in God's sight, and you don't have to try and be like somebody that isn't like you, but you are gift to the body of Christ, as for God has called you to be, and you get saved, and you start following Jesus, and everything that you have been training for, God can expand your territory. We get teachers in here that can't face to feed themselves and feed younger people. Ideal candidates for teaching the body of Christ to get nurses that God has called as caring people that want to look after people. And that's the heart that God has given them. It's in their DNA before they was even born. Beauty therapists just wants to mark the body of Christ. So beautiful and eminent the aroma of Christ. Am I right, Miriam's chuckling? It's just what you've been trained for. It's in your DNA. And the biotherapist, I need to be like the teachers and vice versa. And you've maybe got no employment like art, but be rest assured that God has been preparing you before you knew you was getting prepared for usefulness in God's kingdom. And we'll move on. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, verse 2, in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Yes, Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed with flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing. Moses says to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see. There was actually nothing unusual about a bush burning up in the desert. It was a common occurrence with the heat, with the dryness or the wood, with strikes or lightning. It was actually a common occurrence. Moses would have seen the sight many times. But the thing that was unique about this, unlike the Scalway Park, Bondi, unlike on a fire, 
that we witness on earth has remained completely constant. It didn't diminish in fire. That was the pointer that Moses says, this is amazing. There is something consistent about this burning fire that has drawn me in. God is still a consuming fire. He's never gotten greater. He's never grown less. He still burns. And He is consistent. And you've got to feel the consistency of God to grasp your heart to far you were, to far you could be in Him. That remember before getting saved, I was just this consistent voice. That was my burning bush. That there was a fire that didn't get greater, it didn't get less. It was just a voice. There was just a fire that I felt in praise and worship. A consistency. An inner voice saying that God is real, God is real, Jesus is real. A consistency about the fire of God. Sometimes God gets us through just consistent moments. Sometimes it's good feelings and you come to church and it's a good feeling and God is consistent. Sometimes it's through consistent bad scenarios. I was thinking of the leper. Consistently, that was his burning bush that got his attention. Consistently sick, so sick that he came before Jesus and says, if you are willing, make me clean. You've got the woman with 12 years of bleeding consistently in trials and torment. But that was her burning bush that drew her into the presence of Jesus because it was a consistent ache, a consistent pain. You see, we addicts, it's a consistent mess. And then they think, God, where are you? consistent. It doesn't get, it's always there. It's nagging as people get all our, sometimes there's a consistent niggling feeling. That when they were younger, they were superheroes and they were never going to die. But when you get all you start saying, okay, I'm going to breathe my last breath. What's next? And I believe that there's a consistent feeling that's sometimes happening that people start considering eternity. And that's a good feeling. And God speaks through consistent moments and gets your attention through consistent good news and sometimes indifferent news. We see the state of the world. Wow. Consistent. If I remember when we got told about COVID-19, if it was got to stop, it was three weeks in lockdown. Yet that fire burned. <laughs> and it came from China, and it came through China, and it came through Europe, and it landed in our shores, and was given a three-week circuit break. <laughs> it turned into two and a half years in counting. And vaccines after vaccines, and we're still here today, consistent with what the fire would fade. And we'll look at the economy, and you think, wow, this is consistently bad news. We have plenty of money to, for any of us to pick up as much tests as we want to see if we've got this. More than enough money for that. But yet, 
heating and lighting and the price of food and diesel fares going on. It's consistent. But yet I believe this with a consistency. That God is still on the move. That's when things are rosy in people's life. There's no need for God. Because I'm the center of the universe. All things are odd to me. But yet for things consistently start burning, God is still speaking. God is still speaking. We see it with the leper. We see it with the addict. We see it with the woman with the issue of blood. We see it when people go through grief and hardship. People are consistently sick. That God can speak in these moments. Why isn't that bush burning up or something amazing, something he'd never seen before? I love this in verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. I love this. There was an amazing burning bush. And Moses started to get closer. And it says this, in verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God initiates this sustained burning boost, the one that's near evaporating, the one that needs near fuel. He's doing it to get Moses' attention. And it says, as Moses took a step forward, it says that God was looking at him. As Moses was looking at the bush going forward, the Lord was looking at Moses coming closer. And then he started to get intimate. I started to think of us. God is looking for them that will draw closer in this season. God is looking for them like Moses that would say, hold on a minute. God is consistent. He's a fire that burns, that burns, that burns. He's a one. He's a great I am. He's the answer for salvation. Like him, there is no other. Moses at that point could have run away, as people do when God starts to move. At the moving of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it says some was amazed, some was perplexed, and some ridiculed. You will always get a divided opinion when God moves in power. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, I preach to get a response, good or bad, but I am preaching for a response. When the Holy Spirit moves, you'll always get a response. Some will be perplexed, some will ridicule, some will step into the fire. God is looking for them that will stand in amazement and want to get closer. We are the junk of the world, are the distraction through phones and tablets and internet and Netflixes. We have got to mark time to get closer to the fire. That's where the intimate place is, for he cries, Moses, Moses. And God's eyes go to and from the earth looking to strengthen the hearts of them that are looking to Him. Search your own heart. Are you one that draws closer to the fire? Or are you the eating on the run? I tell you, for I want to be in amazement in times of praise and worship and declaring truths. God is looking at me, looking at Him. And looking for a response. Oh, for a heart cry for the church of the living God. That is far you are. 
sons and daughters of the living God, it's time to say, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I want to get closer to the true fire of God. To get past all the fluff that even can come with Christianity and religion and services and ifs and buts and maybes, but to come into the secret place for God says, Jesus says, if you're coming to seek my face, close the door on everything. It doesn't just mean close a physical door and hear quiet time. It means close a door on everything that you've known, every perception that you might hear about God, you come and sit in His feet. Sometimes it's to do with stillness and you do not utter a word, but you say, I'm here for you, Jesus, in a messy office or an organized office. It doesn't matter fit why you find an organization or messiness, but there has to be a time for you come deliberately and says, God is watching me and looking for a response. God, I'm coming closer. He says he took off his sandals. He realized that he was on holy ground. He took off his sandals. We realized this. The sand was really hot in the desert. The sand was there to protect his shoes. It was a sign of vulnerability, but he's willing to withstand the heat to get closer to God, to get closer to the great I am, to get closer to the one. Yahweh is his name. This was his peering eyes, the moth to a flame. Like some of you will be for your Sunday dinner and you look at the oven and you peer at the oven, you get closer to see if it's temperature's right enough. I've just gone into the habit Great, I'm an amazing chef, no, really. Homemade Yorkshire puddings. If I can pull that enough, it's the easiest thing you can do and the most tastiest thing you can have with your beef this side of eternity. It's just eggs, flour, milk, salt and pepper, am I right? Wang that oven up as hot as you can, some little aisle, psh, 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 little thing. I can, uh, okay, I'll, I'll do a demonstration next week, right? The thing with the Yorkshire puddings is you cannot open it up too soon. So you just peer into the oven and you see it rise, don't you? It's just amazing. I've never got on a point to <laughs> if I'm speaking about here, I think. Well, the point is, is we peer and are looking. The fire for the heat. Here is Moses peering, looking in wonder, being drawn closer to the fire. I've always hid it in my life. I didn't mind church if it's messy. I mind it when there's no fire. Amen. We should be more concerned whether the fire is in the church rather than the color of the wires, far sitting far, and how messy or how organized we are. The most important thing is we gather as a church that God is in the middle, and we come looking for Him at every single stage of our life for mental capacity, that we are people of faith that want to peer and want to gaze upon His beauty and His Holiness, a searching heart, and this might be your first time here. You have come looking at the right place for answers and for Jesus Christ and for freedom and for solutions. The best thing we can do to the unsaved is not try and explain everything to do with church and doctrine and Jesus. Sometimes the best thing we can do is come and here look for yourself. Until you come and here look for yourself, as you've got us questions and debates. 
But there's nothing like coming into a place of hungry people that will lift the most high God as high as they can and step into some sort of spiritual realm of glory, wonder, and amazement, and our questions disappear. Because when I got hot and prayed for, I felt the fire of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I came with questions for Christians. So many questions. What happened to dinosaurs? What about aliens? Da, 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 da. But yet, when the fire of God is burst in your heart, a lot of that, important questions that you had previously melts away in the presence of His glory. The best thing we can do is come and see. Come and see our God. I've got one more point, and then we'll, we'll worship, because it's the day we worship. Verse 12, he had many excuses why I need to go. Moses protested, I have deliberately haven't read everything out. I've got a lot more to say, but we'll maybe stick in this next week as well. He says, who am I? Moses says, who am I? I was somebody in Egypt and farm I knew. God just says, I'm with you. Verse 11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people? God answered, I will be with you. I'm enough. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God this mountain. I thought it was a very strange proof. Further on in the text, there's another two signs. His staff that turned into, uh, as soon as it hit the ground, as he surrendered, the last thing that he had was his staff. As soon as he surrendered, the last thing that he had, God turned that into a snake. That was a proof. And also a, lep- a leprosy hand. He put his hand in his cloak, it became leper, leprous, whatever you But back in and out, it became clean again. That was the other two signs that followed, but that was not the original sign. The original sign that God says that this is a proof that I'm with you, is that you will worship me on this mountain once you're out of Egypt. I thought it was a strange sign, because I always want signs before God moves, and then after. Like you see when you get up in the morning, it's been raining, and you see a rainbow. See a rainbow hour, your establishment. Julie was saying that a few weeks ago on Facebook. God's promise before you really do on thing. It's an encouraging sign, isn't it? The God promises are yes and amen before you launch out. God says, I'll give you a sign for Moses, but I will give you it after the fact. After you've been obedient, I'll give you a sign. That I'm with you. And the proof that I've been with you is that you will stand and worship me out of Egypt. That will be the sign that God has been with you. You will see him, as we read the story, crush Pharaoh and his plans and the magician's plans. The first three miracles the magicians could do, then the magicians got to a point of saying, we kind of match up with the signs of Yahweh. God was humbling Pharaoh, dealing with his heart, but... Pharaoh's heart was so hardened he couldn't really do one thing. We am God was God. Yeah, the signs, wonders, and miracles. And the sign that God says, I will give you Moses, that I am with you, 
is that the day you will be standing here, Ua Egypt, in present worship will be an evidence that I have been with you all along, and you've already stepped out in obedience. A few things I would say. Sometimes we're looking for the sign before we step out. When God said, no, you step out, and I'll give you the sign. If God has given you a gift, a spiritual gift, to lay hands on the sick, then you look for the sign before you lay hands on the sick that God wants you to lay hands on that person that they may recover. The sign that He is with you will be that God will move and will be healed after the fact. We're always looking for the sign. God, give me a sign before I do anything. And God says, be obedient. And when you're obedient, God, give me a sign that I should tithe. Tithe and I'll show you what your obedience is. God, give me a sign that I should forgive this person. I've already told you to forgive. Forgive as I have forgiven you. And you will know that I'm with you because you will see the results of your obedience. You still with me? We're always looking for the sign before the fact, and the only sign that God was getting up until that point, until he had another discussion with Moses, is you'll know that I'm with you because one day you'll be standing here in praise and worship. I'm going to get the worship team back on because I want to land with this point. So if it's a sign that God is with you, God says, you will worship me in your Ua Egypt, and that will be the sign. And I got to thinking else. Last week we spoke about pictures. Egypt was a picture of fit. The world, the world's values that come against Christianity and God's ways, being bound by world systems and greed and lust of the flesh. So I know Egypt. But God delivers our heart out of Egypt and we become fit free people, sons and daughters of faith. And a sign that God is we, His people, has been us that has been delivered to a heart, Egypt. Praise and worship His name. And God confirms, at least on the day, at least on the Sunday, I'm with you. That's a sign. As we come, as we praise, as we deed, Jamboree or worship times on our knees. That's the moment that God confirms, Church, I'm with you. Before you step foot on your Monday, David, I'm with you. Jamie, I'm with you. Doesn't matter the football scores through the week, I'm with you. Because a sign that I'm with you is that people will praise and worship me. They have been delivered for Pharaoh and delivered for Egypt. I have never left church and wondered, I wonder if God's with me today. I have sometimes came in and thought, God, far are you? But as we enter into praise, Oh, God gives us a sign that I'm with you.
because you will worship me, O Egypt. You will worship me out to the control of Pharaoh, and you will worship me in this very mountain, and this is a sign that I am with you. If you are looking for a sign that God is with you, you get close to the fire. You close that door and you worship His holy name. And as you worship, God confirms the sign. I'm with you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'll give you everything you need according to the riches that is found in Him. We had a prayer meeting downstairs on Tuesday evening. Through the day, it's a downstairs drop-in on Tuesday. In the evening, it's this uplifting drop-in. God just takes us. And I've never left that moment and only doubt is God we The discussion after the prayer meeting, as we worship for a while, as we take the needs of the church before the Lord, the discussion out of that room is never, Elsa, I'm not too sure. Is God with us? Is God, I'm not too sure. Is God, oh, the conversation coming out the room. Oh, we know. God is with us. Though we're the last men or women standing, God is with us. Though the, our world is turned upside down and back to front and upside down and inside out. We know this one thing. The sign is we've came together and you know, God has given us a sign. He is with us. He is with us. He is with us. I'm going to invite you in just a moment if you're in any doubt. Come in praise. Come in adoration. Raise your voices. The sign that you maybe need the day is the sign of you lifting your voices and lifting in praise and worship in a heart deliverance out of Egypt into the grace, into the wonder and the majesty of the sunsets free is free indeed and only Jesus can do the work that Jesus needs to do in your life. You may be looking for many signs, but the sign that was given to Moses is that one day you'll be standing with your people in praise and worship and you will know that God is with you. Maybe I, you need to do the day. Let's come closer to the fire. I'm sure Moses had a lot of questions and some of them came forth. But something happened at the burning bush that he did go to Pharaoh. God confirmed his work and his call upon his life. He got close enough to the fire for God, Yahweh, to get intimate with him who was sent out and his plan and his purpose and nothing beforehand had been wasted. Nothing was pointless. Then ask us just to stand for a moment. Are you ready to praise? I'm going to give you a sign. You got to praise me. That's a sign. You got to praise Yahweh knowing who Yahweh is. You got to praise Jesus knowing who Jesus is. Are you looking for a sign? Praise him. He didn't look convinced. Am I going to have to preach for another half an hour to convince you that God's a God, a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Today is a new day. And He beckons you and He's looking at you. As you're looking at Him, He's looking at you for a response. And will you put one step forward and say, I'm coming closer. I'm here to praise you. This is my sign. I need no other than a heart that's been delivered for Egypt before I start giving praises to Jesus. And he's given us a sign. He's given us a sign. My people will praise me. And it will confirm that I am with him. Jesus.
feel free to worship God in freedom. You can come to the front, you can praise Him for your art, you can praise Him with bended knee, you can praise Him with a hoping Pentecostal two-step, but let's praise Jesus and give Him uh, the glory. He's jealous for our hearts, and God, we pray right now that this would be a moment of fire. We thank you that your fire for the church is a consistent fire. It hasn't diminished since it was burst 2,000 years ago, and fire. And you're a God that neither decreases or increases. And God, we want to be a Pentecostal people that will step into neither theology or a doctrine, but a reality or your fire. Come and baptize your people as John the Baptist prophesied over Jesus that there was one coming that will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is our God. This is who He is. And God, that we would catch the fire of God in this place and will be changed forevermore. And I thank you, you've given us a sign as we come and worship you. You've given us a sign that you are with us and it's to be found in the praises of your people. Let's raise our voices before we go and praise us in adoration of the great I am King Jesus. That is who we worship.